Now batting Mower County Sports Live. Swing and a drive! With KAUS Sports Director Sam Hauser. Thirty-eight back on Moore County Sports Live. Welcome back to the show. Sam Hauser with you till six o'clock tonight. So we have the list of players that are all involved in that were all involved and were all went through their hearings last week, and we ended up with four players getting expelled from the university. Four players getting kicked out of the school as a result, and three of them are defensive backs: Ray Buford, Keontae Harden, and Dior Jordan, and defensive lineman Tamarian Johnson. Beyond that, four players got cleared. Four players are presumably going to be coming back. Kobe McCreary, Anton Winfield Jr., Seth Green, and Antonio Chenault. So those four players are, are going to be able to come back and resume and, and go back to school and, and presumably stay on the football team and their lives will be ruined forever because they'll still forever be attached to this. And that's where you get into that conversation like with the Duke lacrosse team where anytime you think of those players or anytime you think of the Duke lacrosse team, even in 2017, one of the first places that a lot of people's minds will go to will forever be that rape case. And, of course, uh, that was a a 30 for 30 as well. It was a a well-put-together documentary on that. And those guys, even though some of them were exonerated, those their lives are forever attached to that. And so now it'll be the same thing here for 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 Antonio Chenault, Seth Green, Anton Winfield Jr., Kobe McCreary. And it was always it was one of the things that we were all so curious about from the beginning with this whole story. And and I I hate I hate to call it a story. The developments involving the allegations. Because anytime you're talking about sexual assault allegations, you hate to call it a, a, a story or even a developing story. But as more details were coming out, one of the things that a lot of us in the media were so curious about and weren't knowing that we weren't going to get answers because it was an ongoing investigation. And with with student privacy laws, we were also curious about how the number of players involved just kept growing. Seemingly with every passing week, it seemed the, the, the number was growing. And eventually we got into the double figures. Uh, it got up as high as I think uh, up to about 12 players or so. And an underage recruit was one of the last developments before this thing really slowed down. And we got into uh, the the hearings and the appeals and, and, and all that. But we got we got all the way out to double digit players and an underage recruit. And that was one of the things that we were also curious about is how that number kept growing and you had Jay Sauvel who is now who now recently took a uh, the defensive coordinator for Minnesota now recently took a job at Wake Forest uh, stating on the record that he knew for a fact that at least one of the players involved was not there that night so th- there were always a lot of curious details in this in in the situation and so now we know that for the players who were, who were on that list uh, that were recommended to be punished, they are cleared. 
players that will serve a one-year suspension. Quarterback Mark Williams and running back Carlton Jam. And I don't remember ever seeing Williams on that list before the news came out on Friday about the fate of these players. But again, that just goes to show there were just constantly, there were names that were just constantly being added to the list. And that certainly was one of them. Carlton Jam, we knew about because Carlton Jam was a play, it was one of few players whose name was specifically mentioned in the police report as far as players that that the woman said were directly involved in the sexual acts. Carlton Jam was, was one of the players that was actually named. So he was somebody that we knew about from the beginning, and he'll be looking at a one-year suspension. And then you have four players that have been expelled from the University of Minnesota. Ray Buford, Keontae Harden, and Tamarian and D.R. Johnson. So three of those players are defensive backs. The only one that's not is Tamarian Johnson. He's a defensive lineman, but D.R. Johnson, Keontae Harden, and Ray Buford are all defensive backs. And Harden and Buford were starters. And that was from a football from the football side of things. That was one of the conversations in terms of the Gophers being so all of a sudden so so short on defensive backs, and what made the Holiday Bowl win all the more impressive. But the fate has been decided for all these players. And there's a couple different areas that I want to look at with this. The first one being the four players that were cleared. In the punish in the recommend the recommended punishments. So you have four players that got off, and to my knowledge, there still aren't a lot of details. And and I think a lot of us have accepted the fact that there very well just may we we may there may be details about this that we just we never find out or you know, a situation where it'll be, you know, t- 10 years or h- however long down the road when we, when, when something comes out in a documentary, kind of like with, with Duke lacrosse, but there's a couple things that tie in together with the four players that, that did get off in this, that won't face any punishments. There's a couple of, of, of areas that, that tie into this. And this is all just theory. This is all my opinion. This is all speculation. But I wonder if some of this was the group that that listened to the appeals, understanding the flawed process that goes involved with punishing these players in the first place, because that's been one of the big objections from the beginning on the player's side and in people defending the players, their attorneys and other attorneys that, that people have interviewed that have spoken out on this in the past and that have dealt with situations like this, where you get sexual assault allegations on a player and I still and uh, I'll, I'll still make it clear. I'm not defending. I'm not defending uh, sexual assault. It's it's awful. It's not okay. There's no reason to sexually assault a woman. But from the standpoint of just looking at this, uh, just looking at this as, as a case, putting aside the sexual assault element of it, just looking at people in trouble that are going through the legal system. That specific part of it is where a lot of this gets muddied up in the first place because you're talking about sexual assault and it's something that is uncomfortable for a lot of us to talk about.
We're going back to the very beginning of the process. As soon as the EOAA office picked up the ball and ran with this, it's uh, sexual assault allegation guilty. And one of the concerns for people defending the players from the very beginning is you you run the risk. A lot of times people that work in these EOAA offices aren't really equipped to handle investigations like this. And by the time... And the way the process works a lot of times, by the time they get to interviewing, in this case, the players, there's already that that confirmation bias of uh, guilty. Because the way it's been described is the generally the way this works is they'll talk to the accuser and even at times witnesses of the accuser. Before they even before they talk to the accused, so you get the story of the accuser and 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 maybe some of their some of their friends or acquaintances or somebody else that that was that was indirectly involved with the situation, and you get their story, and of course those people are going to defend the accused, and so you talk to those people before you talk to the football players, and by the time you talk, by the time you get to the players, you're already dealing with a sexual assault allegation with football players guilty. But I wonder if you take some of the details in the story that we don't know that may have been in some of these players' favor combined with the fact that there may be a little bit of a flawed process in terms of punishing these players in the first place that that may have contributed to some of them getting off. Because I was trying to think of of precedent in terms of because I've been on board with that argument in terms of if there was a defense for the players you know these people may be onto something in terms of a flawed process. And so I was trying to think of precedent in, uh, and so I was trying to think of precedent where a flawed process or an improper investigation ended up reducing punishments for players involved in something that was being investigated. And the one that came to mind and I, I was smacking myself in the back of the head for the fact that it even took me this long to get to this as somebody that grew up in South Florida the Miami Hurricanes went through something like this with the Nevin Shapiro case, and that one's a lot more widespread and a lot worse than than anything that happened here with Minnesota. Not 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 that not that not that it's worth comparing. Not that not that it's not that they're both not terrible, and they impacted a lot of people. But the point being. Of all the punishments that the University of Miami was handed in terms of their connection with Nevin, with Nevin Shapiro and everything that the university tried to hide for a while, some of that got taken away because we found out that an NCAA enforcement staff member, because we found out that the NCAA enforcement staff worked with Nevin Shapiro's attorney to sort of pick and choose which witness questions they wanted to go with and which ones they wanted to scrap for the sake of ethics or lack thereof, I guess, in this case. They wanted to to get rid of some questions that were not related 
to Nevin Shapiro's bankruptcy case, but were related to the NCAA's investigation of Miami. So it's it's like it's like when we hear these stories about synergy and and people that own news companies own news outlets for for a better way of putting it people that own news outlets and then also own another company and therefore shut down a story if something bad happens with that company they'll shut down the story because they have to protect it they have to protect a different asset but the NCAA got itself in trouble for working with Nevin Shapiro's attorney and that's the most important part of that detail and because of that some of the sanctions got reduced on Miami because of a flawed system And so I wonder if some of that happened here with the Gophers. I mean, obviously there are details of the story that we don't know that probably got these guys the uh, that probably got these guys taken care of, that probably got the the punishments taken away, that proved them to be innocent. But I also wonder if there was some of that involved in the decision making for taking away and reducing some punishments if the flawed system that got us to this point had it had any effect on that. That's all. That's all it is. I'm just I'm curious. I'm wondering. I'm 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 just working through these thoughts with you. So if you have any comments, if you have any thoughts, I can leave the phone lines open. 507-437-7666, the phone number, 507-437-7666. And I want to keep this going on the other side because Like I said at the beginning, we've been following this from the very beginning, going back to September, and the latest or one of the latest developments in the whole situation involves a couple of players taking advantage, actually, of a flawed system. So we'll do that next on Mower County Sports Live. Phone lines are open.